My name is Tom Vollmer, by the way, and uh, I will be sort of leading this section, and so it's good to, good to have you here. So let's pray before we begin, and then, um, then we'll see what happens from there. Right? So Lord, thank you for today, and I thank you for everybody's here. Uh, God, you have just raised up some, such great leaders in the state of Ohio, and such great churches, from the small churches that have the bivocational teams, to the large churches that have multi-staffs. There is such great impact going on in your kingdom in our state. And we are scratching the surface. I pray today that you would just pour into each and every one of us vision for what you want us to do. And I hope that this session in a small way helps us to, act, to accelerate that vision into an executable strategy. And Lord, we thank you for everything that you do. In Christ's name, amen. amen. Great, so uh, my name is Tom Vollmer. I'm actually new to the network. Well, not new to the network. I've been around. My granddad planted the church, so I've been in Ohio forever. And, uh, but I'm new to the Ohio Ministry Network. I'm the director of education, which includes, I'm doing make this quick. So, uh, which includes, I'm over the SEU Ohio, which is really cool. Got a student here. Caleb is in one of my classes right now. I'm teaching a New Testament course. And so, um, and then also I'm over OSOM, and that's going to be rebuilt. It's kind of cool. Uh, prior to that, I was, uh, for several years, worked at a consulting group, church consulting group. I'll show you one of their products. It's not a sales pitch. It's just something that we use for strategic planning. Because in strategic planning, you need resources to help you get there. Because otherwise, you just talk endlessly and nothing ever gets done. So we'll just say that. Uh, and I think you all know that. <clears throat> I was, prior to that, I taught for 10 years at a school in Cincinnati, New Testament. So, and then prior to that, I pastored two revitalized revitalization projects in Ohio. And uh, that, was, that was great. Tough. Really, really tough. So some of you that are in smaller churches, I totally get it. I had a church, we started with 40, and in six months we ended up, we grew to 20. So, <laughs> we were doing great, praise God, hallelujah, and we spoke in tongues about it, but all that other stuff. But uh, God, God really blessed that church. I remember the day that I had somebody walk in and say, you know what, I think we need a new roof. And I'm like, yes we do, yes we do, here is $20,000. It's like, whoa, I like this. Uh, could we up that a little bit? No, I'm just kidding. But uh, these things just started happening. God blessed, 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 and multiplied. That church is still doing well, and I'm thankful for it. And so uh, then we were missionaries. That's where I got my Ph.D. I have my Ph.D. in New Testament from the Catholic University of Leuven, which they drilled into you over and over and over, just like we talk a lot about Ohio for Jesus and what our mission is. The oldest Catholic university in the world started in 1425. So uh, it was a great place. I learned a lot in that time. So uh, why am I doing this? You know, why am I not talking about something New Testament related? I worked for 10 years at a huge automotive financial institute, and you would probably all know it. And that's where I really cut my teeth on strategy. And uh, I have a master's in organizational leadership. And I uh, also have a bachelor's in missiology and things like this. So that's me, the short version. And so it's really a great honor to be around you. I wish we could just learn every one of your stories. And we'll probably pick apart, not pick apart, we'll probably pick a few of yours as we go. 
in this. So as we sort of start this thing here, uh, one of the questions that I have constantly is I've gone to things like this all of my life and all of my ministry. I get unbelievably great ideas. And they write them down, write them down, write them down. And in six months, I slide them up on the thing there, right? And it's like, wow! A year later, I'm going through files. Oh, yeah, that was a good idea. Never did anything with it. So what I have found in talking to churches, in talking to businesses, in working with nonprofits and individuals and even students, is everybody wants to do something for God. There's a mission. I look at all kinds of church websites. The mission is right there. But for several years, talk, well, for probably over 10, 15 years, talking to numerous churches, disillusioned, discouraged, great mission, no execution. Great goals, they never go anywhere. So these ideas that you're pulling in, there's some incredible teaching. I was looking through all of the lists. I was like, wow, I want to go to that one, and 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 that one, that one. Some great teaching. But unless it translates into something executable, it's really not going to help. And that's where it becomes that, oh, yeah, but that church is doing that. And then we start to get in this vicious circle. So this one today is to just try to break it down to as low as we can because if you know anything about strategic planning, it can be a minefield of complexity. Some of you are over very complex organizations, so your strategies are going to look different than the, some of you than smaller ones. But when you break it down, essentially it all works about the same. Okay, And so we'll talk a little bit about that. But because I do teach occasionally, I do have a question for you. What is this? So somebody can tell me, what is strategic planning when it comes to your mind? And it's like this terror. I actually had a pastor, and then, so I asked a question, and then I just keep talking. That's a good educator right there. <laughs> so that's what it's all about, man. You've got a bunch of preachers in here, too, you know. I, I'm a little leery of giving them a pulpit or a platform, because then an hour later, oh, that's a good point. You know, all right, we're going to have some Chick-fil-A. So uh, anyway, so I remember, I forgot what I was actually going to say. <laughs> so that happens often, too, just so you know. That happens quite a bit question and then you moved on without getting an answer. Oh yeah, that's right. So anyway, so what is strategic planning? I'm trying to think what I was going to say. Anyway, so what is it? Yes. Alright, so let me, if I come back to it, I'm bad about that too. I'm getting, I'm 53 years old so now I realize I forget more than I remember. What is strategic planning? How would you define that? Oh, I know what I was going to say. <laughs> so, Starting off, man, we are seven minutes in. It's already disaster. So anyway, so here, everybody, no, go ahead. I'll just skip over that. What is strategic planning? Go ahead. Ethan, man. Oh, that's good. That's good. I'm going to say it because that's going to be recorded. It's the fuel that makes the theoretical into enter into the realm of reality. I like that. Yes, an outline to a paper, right? Yeah, absolutely right. So as an educator... I build, I work from outcomes. So if I have a class, I actually am thinking about the class from the end. And where am I, how am I going to get students to this point? Outcomes, right. Anything else that come to mind? 
Oh, I know what I was going to say. All right, sorry. So I was actually talking to some ministers one time, and we were talking about strategic planning. And literally they said, we don't do strategic planning. And I said, okay, why? And that is, that is a pagan practice. That is a secular thing. That does not rely on the Spirit. And I said, uh, amen, brother. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, I didn't say that. I didn't say it. But I have heard that pushback. So somebody else, what is strategic planning? Go ahead, bro. Discovering the goal of the person, corporation, family, whatever, uh, and then developing quantifiable, qualifiable steps to get there. That's absolutely great. So discover. So help me here. Discovering the the goal of the organization, and then to go to quantifiable, quantifiable steps, steps to get there. Excellent. Excellent. A map to get you to your destination. Absolutely right. Yes. Yes, a road map. Very good. Very good. So there is a basis to this, and I was thinking about this, you know, Bible guy, I got to have some Bible basis. In Genesis 1 and 2, there's a really great uh, example of a strategic plan from God. Because if you look at chapter 1, there is a step by step thing. Could you imagine this? Let's say that God decided to create us first. <laughs> Nothing else there. Just a bunch of people. And we're flying through space. <laughs> oh, you know what? I forgot to make somewhere for them to live. So if you look at that, God has a very clear structure and things. Uh, Paul says this to Timothy, and I love this. If I, if I had a board, I would break this out. Paul encourages Timothy in chapter 1, verse 5. He says, but the goal, right? The end of our instruction. This is the strategy. But the goal, the end for Paul is love. It is a pure heart. It is a good conscience. And it is sincere faith. Those are the outcomes. What's the pathway through? The instruction. This is the way in which it happens. This is how it becomes actualized. Okay, so we have this basis. So I'm going to run through this, and then we're going to then we're going to do an exercise, and uh, hopefully we'll see if it works. <laughs> so there are all kinds of strategic models out there. I've just listed three. There are the smart goals. You might have heard of that one, right? There are there is something called the impact risk analysis, which is great. It's a quadrant, and you get to like draw in it, like what is high impact but high risk. That if it goes bad, you're going to close your church. Those are the ones, man, I really like. Those risk takers, they just throw it all in. But then there are the low risk and all this other stuff. Also, Blue Ocean. The Blue Ocean strategy, I really like. I've got the book in my bag there. And I don't know if you've ever heard of these, these people. But the Blue Ocean, I'll just show it to you if you haven't heard it. They work from how do we do things that are different than anybody else. So red oceans are basically those things that everybody's doing. Blue oceans are those people that are innovating in spaces where there is no competition. And so as we think about this, it's an interesting concept to think, what are we doing as a church that is so fresh and anew that it's drawing other people? So one of my students is in a practicum over in Canal Winchester, and it's outside of Columbus here. And I pastored in Canal Winchester years back. And so I went over to visit their church one time. And it was funny because you had their church right here, 
literally right here, no, right here, and then there's a street, and then it goes over here, and I'm kidding you not, there's one, two, three, four, five, six, six churches within eyesight of one another, eyesight, and a lot of them do the same things, so Blue Ocean is like, how do you get into those areas and spaces, but I don't want to do that, I want to simplify it a little bit. I want to work a bit around the SMART goals and then take it into a different direction. So let me do this and then we'll kind of open it up. So I have about, let's see here, one of my favorite passages is, is Paul. Paul's preaching and he goes on and on and on. So we're going to go on for a while. Uh, no, just so SMART goals are specific, they're measurable, they're achievable, they're relevant, and they're time bound. You get that right. So you can't have a goal that's too big. Otherwise, it becomes impossible to do. And what I hear often is this, is I'll ask a church leader, you know, what do you want to see your church do? And I'll hear, we want to win the world for Christ. That's a great goal. But what's wrong with that goal? It's too big. It's too big. One of the follow-up questions I ask there is, are you winning your city for Christ? And then it was like, whoa, uh, no. Are you winning your neighborhood for Christ? So a better question might be, we want to touch, touch 4,000 people in the next year. That could be a goal. A follow-up would be, all right, so what do you mean by that? Okay, well, our church can't hold that many, but we, we have a large population of under-resourced people. We want to provide for them. So one of the targets might actually be there. We need to start a nonprofit ministry to actually impact people in a new way. So the goal shapes what comes next. And so it works through this. It has to be achievable though. And so now I want to take it into a different direction. So how do we simplify this process? Now I know a number of you are leading very complex organizations. And I know a number of you are leading ministries, like one ministry. You might be the Royal Ranger leader, or the Kidsman leader, or you might pastor a multi-staff. Now, the way you process strategy differs in each one of those settings, but ultimately what you're doing is similar. Okay? So here's what we're going to do. Is we're going to walk through this in a minute. So, with this thing that I told you about, when I was working at elemental churches, what we had was this. It's, it is a strategic planning tool in a box, and it's self-facilitating. Okay? So this is the beauty of this, and it's six to eight hours. So sometimes people will say, strategic planning, I don't have my life to get it done. You know, If you can get it done in a package, that's what you want to do. So utilize tools. And I'm not just saying this one. There are multiple tools out there that you can use. One of the churches that we work with, man, these guys, they and, and this one gets you to four goals. I'll tell you about that in a little bit. Four goals in this church was actually meeting those goals every six months, and they were consistently doing it. Because here's what happens oftentimes, and I'll hear, what do you want to do? And then, oh man, I'm still filling the board up. It's too much. You're trying to do too much. So what are the absolute keys? So for those of you that maybe you are in a kids' men group, what 
is the one goal you must accomplish. Or maybe you're in a church and you've got this massive pile of dirt sitting outside. And you're like, man, we have wanted this dirt to go away for a long time. And every time you take a scoop and you're, you know, you're grabbing it, throwing it in your shirt and you're carrying it over and dumping it out, somebody else piles more on. How do you get rid of that dirt in six months? This is a bad illustration, I know. But it is a goal to get rid of the dirt pile. Maybe you have to get a bobcat. Well, how are you going to pay for it? And so it kind of runs into all these things. So opportunities, and we'll talk about these a little bit as we go. Opportunities are the dream stage of what you want to see as a team. And strategic planning works best when it's with a team. One person shouldn't shape it. What we recommended when we were doing it was trying to get 12 people into a room for six hours. And you're like, I don't know if I want to spend six hours with it. But 12 people, and there's a reason for that in a minute. And, and I'll, I'll tell you, this, this happens every time. So the opportunities. Prayer is an essential element, and we'll talk about that in a minute. And then you start to set your goals. So here you might say, why don't you start with prayer first? There's a reason for that, and, I'll, and we'll get to it. Strategies, champions, and timelines. What we found is when you do this, you will tend to be able to achieve these goals. Okay, so let me just run through it. First of all, opportunities ask specific questions. Questions like, I think our biggest opportunity for improvement is fill in the blank. Or, I think our biggest need now as a church or a ministry area is. Or, when I pray for our church, my prayers tend to focus on this. Or, I think we have a great opportunity to do this, but we can't take advantage because of this. A lot of times what I hear with this one is, boy, we really want to redo our sanctuary, but we don't have the resources to do it. Resources come up all the time, right? They are a major challenge. Uh, if we are planning, an, here's, here's a good one to think about. If we're planting a new church, not it, that you are, but if you're planting a new church from the start, I would want to make sure that we did this. So an illustration of this. When we were in Europe, I had a friend who was in an international church and he started it. And it was about 10 years in. And there were was all kinds of issues that popped up. And he said, you know what, if I would have only thought in the future, if I would only thought from day one to here, there were these three things that we did that nearly shipwrecked our church here. So the idea then is going back to your churches and saying, if this was a new church plant, what would it look like? And how do we begin to turn that ship into that direction? Think about this. I was in a, uh, a building not long ago that was built in the 80s. You're all already smiling. It is completely not functional for church today. What would happen if we think beyond our present time into a future? What would it look like? How would we shape it? What would it actually be? So what happens in this stage? When you have your team together, when we, when we have led it through, 
is that there are ideas that pop all over the place. You'll fill up a board or more or pages. I was in a strategic planning session with, somebody, with a team and they just filled it, filled it, filled it, filled it, filled it. The second stage is really the key and I'll tell you why. The second stage here is prayer. Now this is not a cop-out. It's not a cheesy cop-out to say, oh, we pray about it. I really believe that prayer is the key strategic goal. Okay, and I'll, I will illustrate this here in a minute. Um, man, it's unbelievable. So I was working with a group. It was, this was a nonprofit. And so we went through the opportunities, and they had filled it out, and they were kind of becoming overwhelmed. And they said, what, what, are, what are we going to do? How are we going to narrow this down? And so I said, uh, let's go into a time of prayer. 30 minutes. And one dude goes, you want me to pray for 30 minutes? And I said, he said, what am I going to say? <laughs> it was great. So I simply, we simply say this. Those opportunities that are before you, that's the discussion. That's the percolation. Take that before God in 30 minutes. And so 30 minutes, and we timed it. At the end of 30 minutes, we cut it off. Brought him back around the table, and I sat down and said, what are you sensing God saying to you through His Spirit? And bam, 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 just filling up. I wrote them all down. It's amazing. The next stage, you go and then you start to take these ideas and what are the goals. And here's the thing. When the team came back and they had isolated their four goals, where do you think they came out of? The prayer time. Every single time when you spend time with your team, it's not you praying here. It's your team you begin to align. And what was incredible about this was, you know, I really feel God just speaking this here. You know what? I had the same thought. It's like a unity comes together and links around a common vision. It's an amazing process. So for this here, in my mind, seeking the Spirit allows God to birth vision and goals within the team. And so I don't, I would never, ever go beyond this stage. So in my present role, it's very complicated, as you probably realize, and I'm writing strategic plans around these things. And it's all over the place. There's so much to be done. Well, what we've started to do in our staff meetings is just pause and pray for our students, pray for our staff, pray for the mission, pray for one another. And already, just in a few weeks, there's a greater continuity between how we think. And it was always good. Been there three months, and man, we've got a fantastic team. But seeking the Spirit begins to allow that to birth out in ways you did not think possible. So, so here in a minute, I'm going to actually pray for you, and we're going to try. We're going to we're going to try this process and just see how it comes out. Let me let me rush through this. One thing I think we can all agree on is that God wants your ministry and church to thrive. And I've been in some churches and they said, have you seen my church? Right? <laughs> Do you know my leader? Boy, I tell you what, get rid of that idea. He, God, wants it to thrive. So this all comes up. And then Jesus modeled it, man. He's always praying. He's always in sync with the Spirit. He models it. So this step, do not skip it. Spend that time that is necessary in here. Okay? So goals. Let me, again, if you want this PowerPoint, just let me know. I'll give it to you. So goal statements are very action-oriented. 
Okay? Very action-oriented. So we might want to improve our website. Okay, what do you do with that? You might want to decrease, well, I was going to say something kind of bad, but we'll leave it up. You might want to increase the number of leaders in your church. Everybody's got that one. But how are you going to do that? So what you're going to do is you, you actualize it in the action statements. Begin to think in terms of this goal is something that we now must figure out how to, uh, to achieve. So here's just a couple of things. First of all, goals focus on a better future. Many people that I talk to in churches are constantly saying, oh, and you've heard it, right? Boy, the way we used to do it. You know, and it becomes a barrier, a literal barrier that you can't get through. So what goals do, and you as leaders, shape the cultural ethos of your organizations. And even though people are opposing, let me tell you something. If you, if you, want, lead, if you want cushiness, do not get into leadership. Because you are going to get hammered from day one. When I, the first day that I stepped into the role today, I was putting out a fire. I mean, it was just like, there's no honeymoon period. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and the two churches I pastored, it's kind of like, all right, man, I got this honeymoon. Whoa, we're about to close the church. You know what I'm saying? Leadership realizes the weight of responsibility, but will absolutely push for the future God intends the church to be. We in this room, shape the cultural ethos of our ministries. You're a Royal Ranger leader. There's a bad vibe. Take the responsibility to shape the culture that you believe God wants you to be. Okay? So, a better future. We have a God of future. Listen, man. The Assemblies of God. Four of our fundamental truths are eschatological. They're end times oriented. Four of them. I think we're interested in the future. Second thing here, and for those of you that work in ministries, man, you, you need to realize this, that leader, your senior pastors often go nuts when your mission conflicts, or with your goal conflicts with the mission of the church. Yeah. Sense of purpose or values. Sometimes I've talked to people that have gotten awry and there's big things here and trying to suss it out. It's because senior leadership is going this way, you're going this way, and all of a sudden, that's a fracture. This is a big thing. Understand what makes your church tick and see how God wants to flow in that through it. Okay? And I think you, you all know this. You can, another thing with a goal, you can know whether you've achieved it or not. Okay? Let's win the world for Jesus. How do we know if we've achieved it? You know, it seems like we have. You know, Africa's looking pretty good. You know, oh, Europe, why you have to go post-Christian on us? You know, how do you measure that? It's got to be achievable. You have and you can get the resources that you need. And I think we all know this. Strategies, do this real quick. Strategies are the targets, and that's the way in which you achieve the goals. So real quick. Strategies should be achievable within 12 to 24 months. One of the things I've noticed is that sometimes you lose momentum if it's if it's too short it becomes an overbearing weight if it's too long you lose the sense of purpose for what you're trying to do so get it and i would even say 24 months is probably too long 
probably 12 months. And don't, depending on your, what you're doing, four. Four goals is the max. That's the other thing I've seen is people, they come out and they have these goals this long, but they don't have a team to support it. Do what you can, okay? Uh, they utilize real uh, resources that are achievable and realistic. And they're measurable. Measurable. This is where some people, but, but where's the work of the Spirit in this? You, it's too cumbersome. But they have to be measurable, otherwise they don't get done. So let's say, for example, that pile of dirt that we're trying to move, right? And we don't have any shovels. How, what do we need? We need shovels. So the target says somebody has to go to Target or Lowe's or Home Depot and buy the resources. And, well, that's not my job. <laughs> okay. Well, I get that, man. Who wants to buy a shovel? Although, man, I do like different types of shovels. I've got one of those one round ones. i got one of those long ones. I like shovels. They just sit up there. They look real nice. I never use them. But they look really, really good. You know what I'm saying? So they have to be measurable, right? Um, yeah, I think you get that. Champions. Champions are the who. So goals and strategies without a champion are just good ideas. And you know that to be the case. And this is another thing that comes out. So let me just show you, and, and you, can, you can look at this if you want. I wasn't thinking about this, but there's a, uh, oh, yeah, man, this focus game, this is kind of cool. It's actually gamified, so you actually work through this thing. It's a, you know, it's better upside down than it is right side up. It's typically how I roll. But see, it's, it's gamified, and so your team is actually building it. It's kind of fun. But one of the things that comes out of it is at the end of it, you have this game plan, the map, as you talked about. You have your goals, four. You have your strategies, and notice there's four each here. Try to keep it attainable. You then have who's going to champion it and when. And when. So the last part of this is the timeline needs to be realistic. If you are, say for example, and you need to also factor in external issues that you cannot control. So let's say that pile of dirt again. We're getting ready to move it. We got the bobcat. We're getting ready to set it up. And all of a sudden the city comes in and says, hey, hey, hey. Ho! Time out. Did you guys get a permit to move that dirt? It's our dirt. It's my dirt. It's my roof. I can change my roof whenever I want. No, no. You don't understand code. <laughs> Anybody has been pastor and understands code. I remember we were getting ready to break through a wall and it was a great thing in the church and we were connecting our multi-purpose facility with our sanctuary and we were shouting hallelujah. Had people falling out in the spirit. I mean it was a great day and all of a sudden somebody said, oh did we get a permit for that? Oh. Or it's load bearing. Oh, did we get a final fire inspection for that? Oh, there's another year. So what you have to realize is that sometimes contingencies can change the goals. And you have to be. So we have to get a permit. Oh, sorry to say, I know it's just moving dirt. But we're about six months behind on that. So now, let's say your timeline was six months. You have to be able to be adaptable a bit and, and do this. Timelines, though, keep it accountable. You have somebody who's over it. 
where are we in the process of moving this dirt? <laughs> the dirt. It's a terrible illustration. It's just, uh, yeah. All right, thanks. Oh, we're living it. See? Hey, there we go. <laughs> so who is accountable for the process? You know, who's over the whole project? Who's over getting the shovels or the bobcat? And who's in responsible for the budget? Big one that I hear often is these great goals, great strategies, and they forget about the money. Oh, wow. We're going to redo our website. We're going to redo the whole thing. We're going to build it out because all we do now, we just have me looking at you like this. You know, you just have that. Just this dude, oh, welcome to such and such church. And you hit on the links and it's like, hey, I'm back. You know, we have to redo it. It's going to cost $55,000 to redo this website. Whoa, didn't think about that. So money always comes into it, as you all know. So accountability. So let me ask this. Let me open it up. If you have any questions or anything at this point. Uh, and then we're going to do an exercise and hope that it works out. I don't know how to turn this thing off. I'll turn it off a minute. Okay, all right. Yeah, we go. Any, any questions or comments before we get into the practical application of this? You guys got it, right? So now, in our remaining time, what we're going to do is we're going to actually get to one goal. One goal. So as I was praying about this, and whatever it is, you know, for Caleb it might be the he's, he's in class. It might be something related to his classes. One goal. For some of you it might be a ministry. For some of you it might be your church. For some others. I've been praying about this for a while and I ask God, Lord, activate something. One thing. That when we walk out of this room, it is a goal that we're going to believe you to do in the next six months to 12 months. Okay? So hopefully this will work. I don't know. So could I have some people just help pass these out? Thank you all so much. Look, two servants right here, man. They just jumped right up here. Mandy Groot, Amy Parcell. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh... Yeah, if you want it, my, my uh, email address is, uh, I have two of them, so uh, let's do this one. Well, yeah, I'll give you, give you them both. T.A. Vollmer at seu.edu, or you can send it to T. Vollmer, and that's me too, both of these are mine, at Ohio Ministry. Dot net, And let me say this too, let's say, because sometimes, like, even if you get a resource and it's self-facilitating, sometimes people don't know how to do this. And so if you need help at all with this, let me know. I'll come down and walk your team through it. I'd be happy to do that. Or I'll have, uh, ask Amy to do it. And Amy will do it. No, I'm just kidding. She will. Uh, Amy's, uh, for those that don't know, Amy's our operations director at Ohio Ministry Network. Dude, she's brilliant. She takes all these systems. She's amazing. Does everybody have one? Do we have enough? All right. Oh, all right. She's going to tell me. So here's what we're going to do. Here's what we're going to do. So let's, we're going to have a time, and 
Here's a great passage from Jesus. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. So what I'm going to do now is you all know your church, you know your ministries. Some of you lead specific ministries. Maybe you're a youth minister with five students. Maybe you are a church with 100 people. Maybe you're a church of 200 people. Or maybe you're a ranger leader with 300 boys. Or maybe your kids, whatever it is. Everybody in here is leading something. Large or small. I'm going to pray for you. And I believe that God is going to speak to your heart and your mind about something. That he wants you to ponder. Okay? And we're going to try to we'll see how this gets. Right? So I'm going to pray right now. Father, we want to be a people. Actually, Father, as we think about this moment. We are surrounded by over 900 leaders in the state that have come to Synergy to learn, to get ideas, to be encouraged, to be challenged, to be equipped, to be transformed so that we can go back to our churches, to our ministries, to our nonprofits, to our businesses, and make an impact for Christ in our communities. Lord, we don't want this to be a moment to where we hear great thoughts and ideas and that's all they are. We pray now that the Spirit of God would speak to our minds, speak to our hearts, and Lord, we're asking you to give us a goal. Give us a goal in this moment that we can then start to think about how can we actually bring this to life? We know that you want the best for our church. A better future than what we currently have. Lord, there's some here, they come from difficult situations in their ministries. And sometimes, I, and I hear this, we simply don't know what to do. We're so discouraged. Our team seems lost. Lord, I pray for those in that situation to see that you can breathe new life. Lord, I'm reminded of the powerful story of when you raised Jairus' daughter. And Jairus comes to you advocating on behalf of his daughter. And Jesus, you made your way down. The woman stops you with the hemorrhage. She touches your garment. She was healed immediately. And you go into the house and the daughter died. There might be some here that they're teetering on a dead dream. What they felt called seems to be gone. But Lord, in that moment, you spoke and new life came into that daughter. Lord, I pray for those, I, I wasn't actually going to do this. I pray for those that might feel that discouragement, that weight upon them. I pray that in this moment, Spirit of the living God, come in and renew and restore fresh vision and life. Restore that vision, Lord. Restore that vision, Lord. Restore that vision, Lord. Restore that vision.
Lord, I pray for those that, that they are really cranking it up. And they, you know, it's just a great season for them. But there is more and you have more for them. Lord, I pray that in this moment, you would speak to our hearts of what it is. One thing, Lord, we're asking you for. One thing. When we look at our ministries and all of the opportunities there, all the needs there. When we look at our church, all the opportunities, all the needs Lord, I pray in this moment you would say this. This. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. All right, so what I want you to do, hopefully this will work. I'm sorry I don't have any pens. I want you, I'm, I'm going out on a limb here, right? I am Peter stepping in the water. I want you to jot it down. Put it down on the line. What is that goal? The Father says, what should I be asking for in behalf of our church? So, Father, this is the final prayer. Father, what should we be asking for on behalf of our church or my ministry area? And now, my question to you. What do you sense the Holy Spirit whispering in your ear right now? So jot it down. Write it down. And if it's blank, man, it's blank. What time do we finish? 12? 12.30. 12.30. Okay, so we're almost finished. We're almost finished. Now what we would do at this point is we would take that goal, and we don't have time because we only have a few more minutes, but maybe have some interaction about it. But what we would do is we would take that goal and say, is that too big? Right? Does it need to be narrowed? Is it too small? Like if your goal is, we're going to put a gate up for our nursery. That's a great goal because you don't want kids flying around in the street. But, you know, you could go to Target and get the gate and put it up. Is it big enough? Is it God-sized enough that it's going to take faith to accomplish? And so that would be what I would ask. What is, what is the goal? Okay. The second part about this is what strategies will help you achieve that goal. And we probably don't have time to get into all this, but what is going to make that happen? So does somebody want, all right, here we go. This is where the risk comes in here. Does somebody want to say, this is what I think my goal is, and we're going to strategize about how that could become possible. Anybody want to just step out and say, this is it. Somebody? Yes, go ahead. Uh, increase the discipleship of within my church. Oh, that's a good one. So increase discipleship. In the church. So let me ask you. Let's, let's think about this goal a little bit. What do you think about the goal, the rest of everybody? And you can be like, you know, what, what do you mean by that? So what do you mean by discipleship? Is it a certain area? Is it overall? So that's a different question, right? So what do you think about the goal itself? Well, I know Ben, and I would counsel him to say, qualify what you mean by discipleship. Is it a class? Is it, you see it with doubting people? Okay. You want the long answer? No, sir. No. <laughs> but see, so this, this is where... This is the beauty of a team. 
Because then you start to say, all right, this is what the goal is. Well, what, what do you mean by that? So, yeah, go ahead. So the why, right. Yep. Okay, good, good. I would ask, how are you going to measure that? Yep. Yep, so, so what is, why, these are great, man, and then the how to measure. Because all of those questions help to form the strategies, right? So if it's how do we measure, maybe one of the things is we need a better way to track our people. So we need a CRM a client relationship management system. And all of a sudden you say, devil worshiper. <laughs> oh, you, can, you could strike that from the recording. So there it is. You know, a client relationship management system. So you want to put your people in the funnel, right? And then you start to measure, okay, how do we do this? What are we doing? What classes need to come into it? How do we measure it? So where are we lacking in this? Technology today is becoming rampant. I was talking to somebody recently in one of the largest, whether you like this or not, one of the largest degree programs now that people are going into is digital media because churches are asking, we need a digital media pastor. You know, because we've got to figure out how do we, how do we measure, how do we track? So all this, so that, so that becomes literally part of the strategy. We need to update our system. It might be. And, for, and first of all, you might, we need a good curriculum. But actually, we need to figure out how to actually track this. Yeah, go ahead, bro. Yeah, the budget. What is the budget? So these all come in. So the, the, all this to say this is the targets, this is great. And it's one of the key drivers. What, you know, let's be honest, man. The Assemblies of God, we're great at getting people saved. What is the target? And discipleship is a big one. That's one of those ones I just kind of leave out there. Because uh, <laughs> discipleship, eh, we do okay sometimes, you know. Uh, and I say that from personal experience, man. So, um, yes. So then what? this all comes underneath that. So then you start building it out. You, you narrow it. What does it look like? Maybe it's discipleship just in one ministry. Or maybe it's for the whole ethos. Maybe it's just all about we become a disciple culture church. And how do we do that? And then the strategies come down. Here's the other thing. Let's say that now you've got the targets, which we won't get to because we don't have time. Who's going to lead them? And you know what? Let's put uh, Brother Bob in there, you know. Uh, it's, there's a joke behind this from here. I, I, uh, <laughs> I came in yesterday and Donna bore, oh, oh, I can't say it. Strike this off. So anyway, so now I'm Bob, I'm Bob Fitzgerald today, just so you know. <laughs> there's a whole story. But brother, brother Bob here, he's a good guy, you know. And uh, let's put him over finance. But he knows nothing about budgets. <laughs> Leave it. Doug Clay said in a meeting not too long ago, if you don't have the right leader, don't put anybody in there. <laughs> That's part of the problem. 
that I have found is that when you start measuring it, if you have somebody that's outside of their abilities and capabilities, then it gets sabotaged. Right? So you get the right people, somebody in there. And let me tell you this too, and I believe this to be the case. I hear this a lot. I don't have enough leaders in the church. Your church has gold in the pews and in the chairs. It's our job to mine them and to develop them. So let's say you've got some, some young person in there. They're good with math. They're good with economics. You take them and you teach them how to budget. And they become this key point here. Raise up the leader that you have. Don't just stick somebody in there to put a body in. Right? So this, that's what the targets are. Person. And then the timeline. Something like this. How long do you think it would take to increase the discipleship in a church? Realistically. Yeah. That's a year project, at least. Going at it. Depending on the church. Some churches that are larger, they have bigger teams. They can ramp it up quicker. Uh, we have like two minutes. Somebody else want to share a goal? To grow the church, right? To grow it. And what does that mean? Does it mean... so? Yes, they're talking about members. So the question would be, are we growing also the people who are already there? So who becomes the replicators? So let's say that you grow the people that are there. They all of a sudden get the passion and they begin to multiply and they bring in three people. So the actual people that are there could be the pathway to growth, but that might actually be growing them in discipleship. So there could be, that would be the question. We need people, but maybe we develop our people to be able to replicate what God wants to do. Yeah, good, good. Yes? Since iron's going to sharpen iron, how are you going to handle the sparks? How are you going to handle what? The sparks. Oh, yeah, well, that's true. That is very true. And that is leadership, right? So you have to actually lead in there. You build that culture and things like this. Well, great. Hey, I hope this was somewhat beneficial to you. And uh, have a great day.